Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me and tuning into this podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast is here to open your awareness. I want to provide you with tactical teachings on how to master your mindset, create your ideal reality, overcome obstacles, and leverage adversity. And most importantly, it's to help you realize that you are in total control of your reality. My hope? To inspire and motivate you to keep going, and no matter what, it's all about mind over matter. Be sure to check out my website, heatherhakes.com, for freebies and other learning opportunities. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 223. Today, we're sharing with you three steps to stay on track and reach any goal. And I have to tell you this, there are so many golden nuggets in today's episode. I highly recommend listening to this more than once so all the tidbits will sink in. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Mario Pereca. Mario, welcome. Thank you so much, Heather, for having me. This is great. I'm super excited to be here. You were on my podcast and you were absolutely fantastic. So I'm so happy to be on this side of the desk and let you ask the questions. I know it's, it's fun to have a fellow podcaster. So we know you do that, but please give the listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? Yeah, I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, home of the Steelers. And I had to throw that in there for anyone who's listening who knows that we have the six Super Bowl championships. But um, uh, so I'm in Pittsburgh. And I right now, I have a company called Launching a Podcast. So launchingapodcast.com is where you can go. And we work with businesses to help them generate a six-figure stream of revenue leveraging a podcast. It's something that I did in my own business. And it's something that, you know, I never woke up one morning and said, I want to do this with other podcasters. But because I've been in the podcast space for over 10 years, and because I've had a lot of conversations with people, especially fellow podcasters, I saw the need. I knew I had the ability to fill that need. So I put a really good team around me. I've worked with great people. And I'm really proud of the product that we provide and the service that we offer fellow uh, businesses. Well, and what I love about that as a fellow entrepreneur, you know how important mindset is. And if you could give a little background, what does mindset mean to you? Mindset to me, I define mindset as the way we sort our thoughts. So meaning, you know, we have, if you look at science, we have anywhere between six, they tells us we have anywhere between 60 and 70,000 different thoughts per day. Now, obviously not all of those thoughts hit our conscious mind. We're not aware of all of those thoughts. It would be way too many and we'd just be going crazy. So our unconscious mind is really good at sorting those thoughts and presenting us with the thoughts that it thinks are going to, is going to be valuable to us. So when you look at someone who's super successful, right? They're that way for a reason. It's not that they just got lucky. They actually have a mindset for success that drives the way they operate and the actions that they take to create and cultivate that success. And it's not that they don't have disempowering thoughts. Everyone does. Like if you've ever had that thought, I'm not enough, or I wish I was better looking, or I wish I could do this. Everyone has those thoughts. So that the one first thing is that thought's not exclusively yours. Everyone has had those thoughts. I still have those thoughts. Bezos still has those thoughts. I'm sure Steve Jobs had those thoughts. Everyone has it. The difference is how often does that thought come up and how much emotion do you tie to that thought? And to me, that's mindset. Because if you recognize this and you create awareness around the thoughts that you're having in conjunction with the outcomes you want to create, 
then you can start to put emotion behind the thoughts that are going to empower you. And over the course of time, your unconscious mind will start to recognize what it is you want, tie that to your identity, and begin to present you with more of those thoughts and less of the disempowering thoughts. So right now, if you're not aware of this, you may have 50-50. You may be having 50% of your thoughts empowering, 50% disempowering. And you know how you sort that is up to you, which because a thought in and of itself has very little creative power, but a thought backed with emotion is infinitely powerful. A thought backed with emotion is what we call a desire. And when a desire is strong enough, it leads to action and action is what leads to results. So how do you sort your thoughts? Now, if you become aware of what you want and you start to see your thoughts and not emotionally attached to them unless they're empowering thoughts, then you can start to attach mostly to the empowering thoughts. And when your subconscious realizes this, it'll start presenting you with more of those thoughts. So what was originally 50-50? over time will become 60-40, and then it could become 70-30. And then if you get to the 80-20-90-10 range where 90% of your thoughts are empowering, only 10% aren't, and you're not paying as much attention to those 10% anyway, now you're going to see a lot of success begin to come your way, and that compound effect can take place in your life. So to me, mindset is how do we sort the thoughts that we really want and tie emotion to the thoughts that help us get to where we want to go? Okay, so you just covered... So much valuable information and I kind of want to like slow slow it down and, and break it apart a little bit. So what I feel you said was so important was even the uber successful people a lot of us follow and, and want to emulate. The point is they have the limiting beliefs as well. It's just what they tie. Number one, you said emotion and meaning to and whether or not they let it take over. So for you, as an example, if you have the limiting beliefs, it's like, what do you do to combat that? Well, I realized it's that awareness, right? Whenever I have those limiting beliefs, I realize it's a limiting belief. And what I've created a habit of is just kind of going, that's interesting, maybe even laughing at it and then moving on to the next. I look at thoughts like, have you ever watched um, ESPN or CNN or whatever, and they have that little ticker at the bottom, like that shows the scores. It shows the stock market. Well, that's kind of what I, I, how I envision my thoughts being. Like I'm attracting these thoughts and they're just flowing through my mind. And when I see a thought, I look at it and I, I identify it, but I don't identify with it unless I choose to. So when I look at a thought, if I come up with a thought that says, um, hey, I, you're just not enough or you're just not smart enough, I look at it and go, that's absolutely not true because I did this, 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 and this, and that shows me that I am smart. So that's just ridiculous. And I let it go and we'll go on to the next. I mean, because if you start to think those things over and over again, you'll start to look for reasons why that's true. And you'll start to tie that to your identity and your unconscious mind will start to present you with more evidence of that being the case because your unconscious mind has one job and one job only, and that's to keep you alive. It doesn't care about growth. It doesn't care about you achieving what you want. That's what your conscious mind wants. Your conscious mind sees the possibilities and builds this vision of the future that, you know, you have the control over crafting. But the problem is a lot of our, the vision that we want in the future, when we see it as something we don't yet have, and we have zero evidence of of achieving that, our unconscious mind goes, wait a minute. We've never done that before. We've never been there before. Mm-hmm. So that's not our identity. We can't, we can't do that. And then your unconscious mind will actually fight you when you try to do the things to achieve that. Have you ever been somewhat successful in a new venture? You start to see momentum. Then all of a sudden, maybe you're driving down the street and all of a sudden doubt just hits you. It just creeps in. It's like, wait a minute. What if this doesn't work? What if this falls apart? What if I can't do this? And it just it comes out of nowhere. That's your unconscious mind tapping into your imagination 
to try to, to, to try to keep you safe. It wants you to keep doing what you're doing because you're still alive, right? If you're listening to this or you're part of this, you're still alive. And your unconscious mind goes, if we're still alive, I'm doing my job. So let's just keep doing what we're doing to keep us alive. Where your unconscious mind goes, I don't want to stay where I am. I want to get better. I want to grow. I want to you know, experience things. I want to help people. I want to make an impact. I want to reach my potential. But your unconscious mind is going, eh, that's not what we've been doing. So that's why visualization is so important because our identity has this, it's like a supercomputer, right? As human beings, we have absolutely perfect memory. Everything we've ever done and even things that happened before we were born, if you're a spiritual person, are in your memory. We just don't have access to all of it. It sits in our unconscious mind. So when you start to do something, when you start to visualize something, that actually, and that, that's the other cool thing about your unconscious mind, it doesn't know the difference between something you've actually done and experienced or something you vividly imagined. So if you spend time having vivid visualizations, specifically in the morning right when you wake up and at night right before you go to bed and you really set that into your unconscious mind, when it goes to the supercomputer and starts to look for references to see if you've actually done what you want to accomplish or been doing things similar to that, it'll start to pull those things up. And if it does that, it'll go, okay, we've done that. That is us. That is our identity. It'll then start to help you. And that's when you start to notice the little things and see the synchronicities and people go, oh, what a coincidence. There's no such thing as coincidence. Coincidence is just recognizing something that you've already set up or that you've been attracting into your life. So that's why, you know, playing that game between the conscious and unconscious and just doing what you can in the conscious. We can't think with our unconscious. We can tap into it, but we don't actively think with it. You know, where I get my best ideas is usually in the shower. And the reason for that is because it's showering is something I've done so often I don't have to think about doing it. And it's a place I feel completely relaxed. So being completely relaxed and not having to think consciously allows that bridge to open up between the conscious and unconscious. And that's where the ideas typically come from based on what I want because I feed my mind with things I know is going to drive me in a certain direction. So being able to take your conscious mind and set the mindset, set your foundation so that your unconscious mind helps you rather than hinders you is the real key to getting that breakthrough to the next level. Because you can create small amounts of success just by doing things, by, by forcing yourself, by using willpower. But willpower is like a muscle. If you go to the gym and you pick up the lightest dumbbell and you start doing curls with it, you may be able to do a thousand of them, but there comes a time where your arm's going to get sore and you have to put it down. Willpower is the same way. You Exercising it over and over and over again, there's only so much you can will yourself to do. So you have to change your actual identity and who your unconscious mind sees you as being in order for you to actually take on that role and get to that next level. Yes. I want to go back to your shower example. And I believe that's why so many people are all about meditating because meditation gives you the opportunity to number one, be present to quiet the mind to as Eckhart Tolle. And I'm just getting into him because he is a lot to, lot to break down for me, but mm -hmm. he's all about finding that space, that gap in between thoughts and so for you, it's, it's showering because that's when you're present. For me, it's running. So I don't believe there's one way to tap into the unconscious or, but you know, you got to find that way that works for you to quiet the chatter. You're absolutely right. The other place that works a lot for me is driving. If I'm driving long distances, because driving is another activity where, yeah, you're present and you have to be focused, but you've done it so often that you're really not thinking about it. You're just doing it. So that's another place where it works for me, but I love Eckhart I, and you know, the power of 
of now and being in the present moment and really focusing in on what's happening right now because what's happening right now regardless of what activity activity you're doing or thinking about is the absolute most important thing you can ever be doing because whatever happened in the past is over and done with whatever happened in the future isn't here yet and when it gets here it's going to be the present moment but what you're doing right now in this moment is going no matter what how menial it may seem is going to impact and influence everything that comes when it becomes your present moment so a lot of people, they spend time, you know, being worried, being stressed, thinking about things that may or may not even happen. And that's another piece of mindset is having the control over being able to focus in on the here and now. And that's why meditation, as you said, is such a valuable tool because it helps you recalibrate and come back and almost intentionally open that bridge between the conscious and unconscious mind. And, you know, if you get into like Buddhist philosophy as well, you know, they believe the monks believe that meditating not only helps them, but is helping the whole world because the more people that meditate, the more peace that brings to everyone, calmness that brings to everyone. So I think meditation is a great activity. It's something I do. I typically pray when I meditate. That's just the way I, the way that I do it. I like to focus in on, you know, prayer and certain things behind that and actually have like dialogue, try to have a dialogue with God because I, you know, I believe in God, but whether you believe in God, grace, the universe, whatever label you want to give it, just quieting your mind and focusing in on things that matter to you or focusing in on nothing and just focusing in on the silence, or as you said, the space between thoughts can be extremely valuable as well. Yeah. And, and on that note, Buddhism and all beliefs. So I definitely, I want to talk about beliefs because that's what whether it's a limiting belief or an empowering belief, the beliefs are what's driving us as well. And so something you shared with me previously is that you, it's a realization that it's all within you. But I believe so many people are focused on external validation or, or seeking outside of them. And it's more or less a distraction. Yeah, absolutely. Beliefs are so important because we will fight to prove our beliefs, whether they're right, wrong, good, bad. And there really isn't a, such, a, such a thing as right, wrong, good, or bad. It's just the way we tend to look at it. Like if you, if, God forbid, if you lose your job today, that's a terrible, you might say it's a terrible thing. I just lost my job and now I have no money and this is really bad. But then the next person that gets hired, it opens, makes an opening for a really good thing. So one of the things that I like, I like to watch biographies of successful people and just or read them as well and just see what are successful people doing and how are they doing it. And one of the things I was watching a great documentary that just came out recently on Garth Brooks. I don't know if you've seen it, mm-hmm. but one of the things he said in this documentary that really caught my attention was that everything that is a blessing is also equally a curse. And most people don't, they don't see it that way. And that, that comes down to beliefs. But what he meant by that was, you know, he's the number one selling artist of all time. Number one, he's super successful. That's what he signed up for. That's what he won. That's a huge blessing, right? He made like $400 million on his last tour, like ridiculous. But when he had his children, he couldn't be in the hospital by himself like a normal person with his kids. Mm-hmm. He had to have security everywhere. They had to shut down the wing. So he's like, that was really difficult. So everything that is a blessing is also a curse. But if we can accept it as a whole thing and we can create the belief that, you know, I want this and I want it for everything, not just for the good that it's going to bring, but also the challenges that it brings. Because, and I just had this conversation this morning with someone as I was doing a podcast episode. It's like, you know, when you start a business, if you're an entrepreneur, at the beginning of that business, you don't have, you may not have that much success right out of the gate. And it's really difficult. And, but it's not as scary because you really don't have anything to lose at that point. 
If it doesn't work out at that point, you're still where you are, right? You haven't lost anything. But when you start to get success and you start to see, prove your concept and you start to have clients or sell product or whatever it may be, and you start to bring people on that are counting on that for their, for their livelihood and it becomes a bigger venture, now it becomes now that blessing of success is also a curse in the pressure that if you lose it, it affects so many people in so many different ways. So I think having the belief that, you know, I want to succeed, I'm going to succeed, but then having the belief that, you know, every blessing is also a curse and accepting all parts of it, accepting just like we need to accept all parts of ourselves, not just the good things and try to fight the bad things, but accepting the, the, our strengths and our weaknesses and, you know, not trying really to make our weaknesses stronger, but really strengthening our strengths and then associating with other people and things that can help take, you know, fill the gaps of our weaknesses so that we can be a more complete person. I think that's super important. So it's really crafting beliefs that drive you, but crafting beliefs that knowing when they come to fruition, you have, you know, you accept all of it. And I think that's a super important part that a lot of people miss when it comes to beliefs and goal setting and all of those different things. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. So on that note, actually, I think this is a good segue is whether you're an entrepreneur, you're trying something new, a new year's resolution, a new goal, whatever it may be. There are times where you might come up against a wall and feel like, you know, a challenge or an obstacle and and a lot of people want to quit. But something you shared with me is AMA, action, measure and adjust. So and Tony Robbins, actually, I heard this recently on a YouTube video, and it's, it's all about, okay, when you're trying something new, when you're going after it and it doesn't work, well, try something else. If that doesn't work, you try. So you keep trying in the whole, this adjust until you get to your end goal, where I feel like a lot of people quit because it got hard. Yeah, I agree with that 110%. And I think a lot of people have misplaced emotion when it comes to what they're trying to achieve because, you know, first and foremost, you have to take action, right? And that's what the AMA is and something I preach all the time. But you have to take inspired action. And in order to take inspired action, you have to be doing what we talked about earlier in this conversation is you have to identify the outcome you want to achieve. You have to create empowering thoughts around that and you have to put emotion behind those thoughts. And if you do that, you create a desire and a desire. And if you read, um, all think and grow rich, there's, they talk a lot about desire. He talks, Napoleon Hill talks a lot about that because it's so vital to have this burning desire that leads you into action. And that's a desire. You create that desire with emotion. So after you take action though, you have to have a way to measure the results that you're getting because if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. You can't grow it. And if you can't measure it, you don't know if you've hit your goal or not. So you have to know that outcome and then you have to measure results. But I think the most important thing with measuring is to not get emotional about the data. The data is there to give you information. Your measurement's there to guide you. So that's where the adjust part comes in. If people look at the data and get emotional about the actual data and get frustrated, that's when they want to quit. But if you look at it as just a tool to tell you, am I getting closer? How close am I getting? How how fast am I moving towards? Because when it comes to measurements too, you have to know what's important to you. Because like for instance... I'm sitting here right now speaking to you, but let's say my goal is, and this is a really physical goal, but it's a really interesting way to look at things. Let's say my goal is to get to a location that's a mile away from where I'm sitting. There's an infinite number of ways for me to go from where I'm sitting to a mile away. I can walk, I can run, I can jog, I can skip, I can ride a bicycle, I can ride a unicycle, I can take a plane, I can take a helicopter, I can take a bus, I could crawl, I could skip. 
There's an infinite number of ways. The question is, what do I really want? How do I want to get there? What's important to me? Is it important that I get there as fast as possible? If that's the case, then driving is going to be better for me. It's going to help me hit my goal more so than walking. If being environmentally friendly is what's important to me, then walking is going to be better than driving. So it's not like there's a good, bad, right, or wrong way. It's like, what's important to you? And how do you utilize what you have available to make that happen? And so when you measure, that gives you the feedback you need to adjust your approach so that you achieve what you want to achieve in the manner in which is important to you. And so that's super important there. So something that just came to mind in in that example, and I, I was thinking of a few on my own, but I think weight loss is something we can all relate to or understand. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, and I feel like that's why so many people fall off the wagon so soon, let's say a new year's resolution to lose 60 pounds. Number one, you didn't gain it overnight. Number two, you're not going to lose it overnight. And so let's say if, if it's a 12 month goal or a six month goal and you're inching closer to that, the end time frame, how important is it to be flexible that maybe your goal is going to take longer than you expected, but how do you keep going? Yeah, I mean, isn't it Tony Robbins that always says, you know, be uh, be flexible in your approach, but, you know, be really focused on not on your outcome. So, I mean, it, it's like you measure and you see where you're going. And like, let's say you wanted to lose 60 pounds and you wanted to do it in a year and you're getting to month 11 and you've lost 40. Well, I mean, I think it's important to go, okay, let's take it from the beginning and see how, like, where did you lose the weight? Did you lose most of it up front and then did it taper off? Did you maybe hit a rough patch in the middle where you stopped doing what you were supposed to do and, or to, in order to get that outcome and you started eating you know, more sugary foods? Did the holidays come and knock you off course? So you have to take that into consideration along with the measurement. And that's the measurement process, right? It's getting data. It's not just the numbers. It's getting data that applies or pertains to how you're doing things. So let's say you lost 40 pounds and you're in a month 11. Well, okay, that's great. I, I made it like two-thirds of the way there. Now, you may want to extend your time period, but don't get emotional about it. Be grateful that you lost what you lost, and then look at what you've already done, and then apply what works or double down in ways that you know have made an impact, and begin to focus on that even more, because now you have experience. Now you have, you know, you know things that you didn't know when you first started. So the chances of you losing that extra 20 pounds and losing it pretty quickly is better than when you first started at the beginning of the year. And I think if you celebrate that fact and you focus in on the task at hand rather than instead of, you know, rather than um, focusing on, I didn't lose the 20 pounds, focus on, I did lose the 40 pounds and now I'm capable of losing the other 20 pounds. It changes the whole game because yes. is it life or death for you to lose that 20, that 60 pounds in that full year? Probably not. And if it's not, then you can still do it. You can still hit it and you can still feel really, really, really good about it. If, you know, if it is life or death, then that's when I'd consult professionals. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's just the way, that's the way I look at data. It's like, okay, I lost the 40 pounds. Don't beat yourself up. Celebrate what you can celebrate, but use what you've learned to get you the rest of the way because you can still get there. It's still possible. And, you know, like you said with Tony Robbins, what he says all the time is you've tra- people feel like they've tried everything when they hit a wall. Well, you haven't tried everything. So you keep trying, you ask questions, you get inquisitive, and you figure it out. And if you have a strong enough desire and enough emotion tied behind what you want to achieve, you will figure it out. 
We always figure out the things that are important to us. We always, whatever standard we have set for ourselves, we always meet that standard. You will make as much money as you need to make and not a penny more. So if your standard for living is just paying your bills, just get it like people who wake up in the morning go, I just, I just want to get by. Well, if that's your standard, you will get by. You'll make just enough money to pay your bills. You may have a couple bucks left over, but nothing substantial. And that's how you'll live your life. But if your standard is, I want to pay my bills, but I want X number of dollars to be able to give back, to be able to go on vacations or be able to explore and do different things, you'll do that too. It's just a matter of what's your standard for living. If your standard is being physically fit and being in, having high energy and showing up every day in a certain way physically, you'll live to that standard. You'll eat a certain way. You'll exercise a certain way. You'll do things that matter to you and you'll make that happen. But if your standard is, I want to eat as much sugar as I can because it gives me a quick high and makes me feel really good, then you'll do that too. Yeah. So that's, you know, if you change the standard at which you operate and you live, but that's not always easy. It's not always easy to change habits, right? So you have to do it. You have to really put in the time, again, within, right? We talked about those beliefs and living within. You have to go within Find what's important, attach to that emotionally, create a standard around that, and then you'll begin to live that way. And those results will begin to, will begin to manifest in the real world. And what you're saying there is it's a choice. It is. A yeah. lot of them, most things in life are a choice. Almost everything in life is a choice. The problem is, I think, when it comes to decision-making, most people are conditioned these days to not make real decisions because we always leave ourselves an out. What I mean by if you look at the word decision and you go back to the root word, you know, it, it's very closely related to incision, which means to cut, to cut. So when you make a real decision, you cut off all other possibilities. And that's what, if you want to talk about Tony Robbins again, because he seems to be coming up a lot. The thing that he talks about a lot is burning the boats. If you want to take the island, you burn the boats. You give yourself no other choice and you'll make it happen. And so I think making it, it is a choice the way we choose to live our lives. Yes, there are factors involved. Yes, there are things that happen, but you can go back and see stories of remarkable people that do remarkable things and they're human beings too. So if they have the power, you have the power. And it's just a matter of making a choice of being who you want to be and how you want to do it and not allowing circumstance to dictate how you show up and how you operate. And so making a risk, what most people do is they're so afraid to make decisions that they make no decision, and that in and of itself is a decision. So if we practice decision-making and making those choices when it comes to smaller things in our lives, then eventually that'll help start to bleed over into the larger things in our lives, and we'll be able to make definitive choices. And when you make a definitive choice, you actually – a lot of people think they have this false belief that – and we talk about beliefs again – if you make a definitive choice, you've chosen one over the other, and you've lost your power because now you're, you have to do this thing. But they are, the exact opposite is true. When you make a definitive choice, you actually embrace your power because you choose to go where you want to go and do what you want to do and put your attention or your focus where it needs to be. Yeah. So it's reframing that, you know, the way you look at decision-making and making choices. And you can live and experience anything you want to live and experience if you make the choice to do that. And it sounds super easy, and it actually is super easy, but it takes a lot of internal work to get to the point where you actually really believe that. And if you don't believe it, then you won't actually do it. You'll go through the motions, but you won't get the results. Here's a perfect example. So I had lunch with a, a friend I haven't seen in a while yesterday. He's a very successful attorney. He has a lot of business ideas, but he's sitting in the space and he's stuck. 
he thinks he's stuck, but he's stuck because he, there's five different avenues, like five different things he really wants to do, but he, number one, hasn't made the decision. I think he ultimately is afraid that, oh, well, if I go this way, then what am I leaving on the table? And, and I think that's the whole point is maybe to prioritize and you don't have to choose, like go all in on something. Maybe you just put these things on the burner back burner for now, but then come back to them. And, and I think a lot of people don't make a decision because they think it's going to be the wrong one. But wouldn't you rather at least find out and know than have regret that you never tried? Well, honestly, there's really no wrong decision. It's just the way we look at it. And, you know, when you make a decision, you commit to something. I mean, the the ultimate power we have as human beings is the ability to choose again. Mm. So, I mean, you can make a decision. It may not work the way you wanted it to, but I believe it worked the way it's supposed to. And I always look at it. What do I take from this into my next decision? And that's the way I choose to look at it. There's been so many different things, especially in business over the last 10 years that I've tried, that I thought were going to be great, that had all this upside and potential that didn't do anything close to what I thought they were going to do. And now I can look at that and say, hey, I failed at this, I failed at this, but that's not the way I look at it. I look at it as like, look, I made the decision, which strengthened that decision-making muscles, which is a plus in and of itself. I tried it. It worked out the way it was supposed to. I learned something valuable from that. And now I'm equipped with that in my tool belt to make my next decision. Mm. And because I operated that way, it led me to where I am today doing what I feel like I'm meant to be doing. But I never would be here if I would have focused in on the failures or better yet, not let go of something that wasn't working, right? That's the other thing that I think, and especially being an entrepreneur is so powerful is look, you try it. If it works, you keep going. If it's not working the way that, you know, if, if you have that intuition or you have that pull away from it, or it starts to feel like you're pushing to do it and it doesn't seem like it's working, there's nothing wrong with letting it go and with what you already have, with what you've taken from it already and moving on. Most people keep going and going with no results, not getting, and that's when they feel stuck because they're like, oh, I'm trying. So, well, maybe you're not supposed to be doing that. Maybe you've already learned the lesson you were supposed to learn. Maybe you already got the skills you're supposed to acquire. And maybe if you apply it somewhere else to something else, you'll get the breakthrough that you're looking for. And maybe it's not exactly how you envision it, but maybe God's plan is better than the plan we have in mind anyway. So that's kind of the way that I look at it. Like, you know, 10 years ago, if you were if you had asked me, where do you think you'll be in 10 years? I would have said probably opening my fifth restaurant, building my restaurant empire, because I used to be a chef. And that's where I'm going to be. And I'm not because I noticed the feedback from the universe. I went where I felt pulled. And am I wildly successful? I'm pretty successful. And I'm to my own standards, I'm successful, but I'm not exactly where I want to be yet. I'm still trying to grow and get better and get to the next level. But I can tell you, I'm way more fulfilled doing what I'm doing now and I'm making a much bigger impact doing what I'm doing now than I would be if I was still in the restaurant business. Yeah. And the reason I'm not is because I had a lot of faith and I went to where I felt pulled and I noticed the feedback from the universe. But you know, I have the ability and I've honed this over time to be, and this is where I think the crux of my success is, I have the ability to be completely focused on what it is I want to achieve, but simultaneously be open to all the possibilities around me. And it sounds counterintuitive, but it's really not because that pulling from both ends actually keeps me centered. 
So I'm focused and I'm taking action and I'm going where, you know, going where I think I want to go. But then if something else comes up that's interesting or feels better or feels like, you know, God is pulling me in that direction, I'm not afraid to at least look at it and at least explore it and see what happens. And that's what led me ultimately to where I am today. Yeah, you have shared so many golden nuggets. The question I have for you, what is one key takeaway you want listeners to get from today's conversation? Be open. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like be focused, but be open. That's the thing. You have to be focused because you have to be moving somewhere. You know, you have to, when you talk about being stuck, you're never stuck. Okay. It feels like you're stuck, but you're never really stuck because you're either growing or you're dying. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. We're always building momentum. And so from the minute we open our eyes in the morning to the minute we go to bed at night, we're building momentum. The question is, are you building momentum towards the things you desire in your life or are you building momentum or letting circumstance to dictate where that momentum goes and then you're left with whatever's wherever you end up? So it's being focused is super important and moving in a direction and putting energy in a direction because everything's energy. And when you put energy somewhere, it's going to come back to you. It's a cycle. So being focused is super important, but also at the same time being open because you're going to notice things. As you take action, you're going to see things, you're going to feel things, you're going to experience things. And so it's being focused, but not being attached because I'm focused on where I want to go. But if I end up somewhere else that I don't even envision, like I said, I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing today, but God had other plans and I put my trust in him. And whether you call it the universe, again, grace, whatever divine intervention, whether you call it fate, whatever it is you choose to call it, I think it's God. That's my belief system. But it led me to where I am. And because I was open, because I was made decisions and took the leap, I'm much happier where I am. And I know that I'm going to go farther and impact more people because of my passion and where I'm going and because I'm open to all the possibilities. But you have to remain focused. You can't just be trying everything willy-nilly with no plan and not going anywhere because that's not going to lead to anything substantial. So you have to be focused, but then be open to what comes and be willing to go where you feel pulled. Anything you push, if you feel like you're pushing something, anything you push pushes back. But if you go where you feel pulled, opportunities will abound. If you haven't yet, you must write a book. So if that's on your to-do <laughs> or if this is a nudge, here's the message. Yes. Okay. I'm, so, actually, I'm actually working on my fourth right now. So. Oh, sweet. Good. Yeah. Good to hear. All right. I can't so, wait to share it. <laughs> I want to ask you a few rapid fire questions to wrap up the interview. Mm-hmm. The first being, what is a quote or motto that you live by? The work will teach you how to do it. Ooh. I had a mentor that taught me that said that to me. I was in a place where I, um, where I quote unquote felt stuck. And he was, he's a super successful person in business and did all these different things. And I was like, well, what do I do? Just tell me what I do. And he's like, look, the work will teach you how to do it. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, just go do something. Mm-hmm. Just go try it and you'll learn from doing it. And so that's something that when I don't know what to do or I feel stuck or whatever, I'm always like, the work will teach you how to do it. Just go do the work and you'll, you'll figure it out. I love that because, you know, a lot of people love the quote, knowledge is power. I'm like, eh. Knowledge is information, but experience is the real power. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. What is a um, book you're currently reading or highly recommend? A book that I'm currently reading or highly recommend. My favorite book that I've read uh, to this point is The Alchemist, Mm. Paulo Coelho. I love The Alchemist because it shows how you can take things. It's just, it's a fun story to read, number one, but it also shows how you can take things and turn them into other things and the possibilities are endless book that i'm always reading on an ongoing basis is the bible 
just because I believe every answer to every question we have is in the text somewhere. So I, you know, I read it and the more times you read it, the more you take from it. That's my faith. But I, I spend, I read like two pages every morning of the Bible and that helps guide me and just put some plants, some seeds in my head and gives me some things to think about. So that's the book that I always have on my nightstand and I'm always reading ongoing. I'm curious on the alchemist. Do you read Robin Sharma books? I like Robin Sharma. Yeah. The monkey sold his oh Ferrari. And yeah, yeah, Robin Sharma's great. I've seen him speak live before. He's really good. I love, so he writes, they're fables, right? Or right. They're stories. Yes. But those stories have so much deep wisdom in them. I, yeah. I'm like, that guy is creative. The power of now is one of my favorite books as well. With yeah. Eckhart. That's a great book. It's, it's, it's awesome. really, it's really deep, but yeah. it's really, it's a really good read. It's on my bookshelf and I'm actually finishing a podcast he and Oprah did. And then I'm going to go back to that huh. book and give it a second shot. The soul, the soul sessions. Um, I think it was the called? one about the Oprah. new, a new earth. Mm, that's a good book too. Yeah. Okay. So final question for you. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give your younger self? Trust. Just trust the process. When I was young, I was always so future focused. And even when I was a really young kid, like in grade school, I was always thinking about like, I think I made life harder than it had to be. And so I, I just remember being in like second and third grade and being like, man, it must be hard to be a grown up. And like, you know, really thinking like, oh, they do all these complicated things. And then when you get there, you're like, this really isn't that difficult. We make it a lot more difficult than it has to be. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be like, trust the process, trust, you know, trust yourself first and foremost, trust the process and be in the moment. Like what in the moment where you're sitting right now, another one of my mentors told me this to change my life. The moment you're sitting in right now, as you're listening to this, as you're speaking to someone, whatever, you have everything you absolutely need for this moment, for this moment right now. What causes fear and anxiety is thinking what may or may not happen in the future, but that'll come. And when it comes, it'll be the present and then you'll have what you need then. So like, if you're worried about, oh, how am I going to pay this bill? Or, you know, how am I going to go do this thing or get this treatment or whatever? Just know that it'll get here, but where you are right now, you're good. So focus on that. Focus on being grateful for where you are right now that, you know, if you're listening to this, you probably have a roof over your head. You probably have food in the refrigerator. You probably have a bed that you sleep in at night. You're good. What else do you need right now this second? Yeah, we all want more in the future. Yeah, we all want to make more money and have more experiences and go different places and interact and make an impact. That'll all happen. So just trust and be good right now. Be happy, be content, be grateful. And then do the work. Dang. That is, I feel like that message uh, was definitely directed toward me because I, I sit my own doubt and, and I have my ups and downs. And, but that was definitely, thank you for the message. Oh, you're welcome. I, I like to do that too. Whenever I feel that way, I just look around. I'm like, right now I'm good. Right for the second, I'm good. So let's just do the second. Do the second and then you can do the next second and the next second. Yes. Mario, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your your wisdom. My pleasure, Heather. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. To connect with me even further, follow me on Instagram at heather.hakes. You can find me on YouTube to get even more information and video content. And my website, heatherhakes.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. 